Hi, this is Dr. John Ankerberg. I invite you to dig into God's Word today with my dear friend, the late Dr. Wayne Barber, as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible. Would you turn with me in, in your Bibles this morning to Joshua chapter 14? You know, we're talking about the incredible journey, and I've just made an incredible journey. And the older I get, the longer it is. 32 hours plus going, 32 hours plus coming back. And I'm praying so much that my mind returned sometime during the night and can meet up with my body before the service is over today. So you pray for me. The incredible journey. We're on part 11 today. And today we're going to talk about receiving God's design for you. Receiving God's design for you. Joshua 14. Now, let me get you into this. God had a plan for Israel that was far greater than what they fully understood. I love the promise that he gave to Judah, which was the southern two tribes of Benjamin and Judah that got put into captivity, exile over into Babylon. And God wanted to make sure they knew he still loved them and still had a plan for them. And he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future, to give you a hope. You see, conquering the land was only a piece of the design and the plan that God had in store for Israel. His plan involved not only a nation, which we now see, and a land, but there would one day be a seed that would come from the tribe of Judah and the line of David, from Israel itself to find his humanity that would redeem not only the Gentile, but also the Jew. He would go to the cross and pay a debt he didn't know when we owed a debt we could not pay. But in Joshua, we're only concerned about their conquering and occupying the land. It's only a piece of the puzzle of the plan that God has for them. We've compared Israel's possessing their land with our experiencing the life that we have in Christ Jesus. And I wish I could have taken you with me to Singapore and to Australia, and you could watch people in another culture, in another country, receive the message of Christ in you, the hope of glory. I wish you could see it. I mean, they just come alive when they hear about Christ living in us to do through us what we could never do. We've seen that trusting God, believing God was the key, not only to Israel, but we've also compared and realized it's the key to our own life. Just like we received Him, we walk in Him. When Israel chose against trusting God. You ever done that? When you chose to do it your way instead of God's way, they paid big time. However, today we're going to not look at a nation. We're going to look at an individual who was promised by God a place in the land and he wanted to see it fulfilled when the land was distributed. The man's name was Caleb. And he was willing to wait 45 years to receive the promise that God had given to him. Our text is going to be in chapter 14, but let me get you from chapter 10 to chapter 14. Since chapter 10, and we saw the last time, Israel has been watching God's almighty power as they overcame the enemy one by one by one by one. They just continued to, to have victory. Now, now that they're yielded to him, the enemy is completely helpless before them. God's doing exactly what he said back in chapter 1. He says, no man will be able to stand before you as long as you consider every step holy unto me. In the times that they didn't, 
They were defeated, but the times they trusted him, they walked into victory, he said, was theirs. And what a beautiful picture for us today as we seek to possess the life that God and to experience the life that God has already given to us in Christ. And when we're yielded to Christ, when we're aware that apart from him, we are nothing but a complete failure spiritually, allowing him to direct every step in our life, then our enemy, which is the world, the flesh, and the devil, is totally defeated, just like he promised it would be. As we saw the last time, God crushes and confuses and consumes the enemy. See, victory is never us overcoming sin. Victory is Jesus overcoming us. Our Christian life is 200% relationship. 100% my willingness to surrender to him and 100% his power and his presence in my life. Now, the last part of chapter 10, the enemy continued to fall and they do it as they do in chapter 11 and as they do in chapter 12. When you get to chapter 13, we find that Joshua has grown old. <laughs> that does happen, doesn't it? He has grown old. Joshua chapter 13 and verse 1. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years when the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and very much of the land remains to be possessed. That's chapter 13 verse 1. The phrase was old and advanced in years literally means he was old. <laughs> He was very old, probably approaching death. Now, the land of Canaan had not yet been fully possessed. So, Joshua's age, with Joshua's age, God says it's time to divide the land. Now, let's divide the land now. The rest of chapter 13 deals with the division of the land. Now, here's a key point, and you've got to understand where I'm going with this today. When I was studying this, something fresh hit me. God had his own design as to how the land was to be distributed. He had his own design. Design. It wasn't man's design, it was God's design. Now I want you to bear with me because I want to liken that to the way in which God has placed us into the body of Christ. I want you to see that. He had this piece of land for this tribe and this part of the land for this tribe and this part of the land for that tribe. And he had his own design in doing all of that. But I, again, I want us to liken that to the way in which he has placed us in the body of Christ. He has distributed the land. He, he did it according to his own design. It's the same way he gives the gifts, the ministries, and the effects to the Christian in his own personal walk with Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4, if you'd like to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. It says, now there are varieties of gifts. Notice that word varieties. But the same Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, and there are varieties of ministries. And the same Lord, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 6, there are varieties of effects or results, but the same God, that's God the Father, who works all things in all persons. Now, I'm not here to teach on, on that passage today, but I want to bring something out to you. The word varieties. Now, the word varieties, if you went around and asked everybody, what does it mean, the word varieties? They would say, well, he's just simply saying the gifts are different, the ministries are different, and the effects are different. That's what variety means. <clears throat> well, that's true, it means they are different, but that's not what he's referring to in this verse. The verb form of that particular word is found down in verse 11 of chapter 12. And look at the difference. He's not talking about the fact that the gifts and the ministries and the effects are different. He's talking about something else. He says in verse 11, But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing, 
to each one individually just as he wills. <clears throat> Distributing to each one just as he wills. The fact he tells us that the word varieties mean the way they're distributed. <clears throat> just like they, that God had a way in which to distribute the land, <clears throat> he has his own design in distributing the gifts into the body of Christ. <clears throat> now there were seven kings that had to be destroyed before they could occupy the land and enjoy what God had for them. These kings had to be conquered just like the world, the flesh, and the devil has to be conquered in our lives by saying yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Until these kings were conquered, the land could not be occupied. But we also must understand something. Even though the kings had to be conquered by force, the land itself was a gift from God and could only be received. And I thought about that. It's so interesting to me that there are seven categories of gifts in Romans 12 that can only function when self is dealt with, when, when sin is conquered in our lives, when we say yes to Christ, that's when those gifts become meaningful to us. Because verse 4 through 7 and, and, and going down in, in Romans 12 doesn't come until after verses 1, 2, and 3, which is very key to that whole passage. But tucked away into Joshua chapter 14 is the awesome story of Caleb who wanted what God had promised to him. God had given him a promise years before. And as we walk through the story of Caleb this morning in chapter 14, I want, to, I want you to ask yourself the question, are you living today, individually, not somebody else, not somebody else around you, are you living in the design that God has specifically for you? Have you found your place of service in the body of Christ, which is his church? Have you found it? Do you, do you find the joy and the, the extra measure of faith to believe God in the gifts that he's given you as you serve him by serving others in the body? There are three things that I want us to see about finding and receiving God's design in our lives. First of all is this, finding and receiving God's design for our lives will not take place until we are fully satisfied with Christ alone. You're not going to find out where your place is in the body until, first of all, you're totally satisfied with just him, Jesus, and Jesus alone. Verse 6, Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh and the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea. So Caleb in verse 6 here is referring to a promise made to him before the, from the Lord by Moses 45 years before. Now Joshua and Caleb, and you know the story, Joshua and Caleb had been the two, two of the 12 spies that had gone over and spied out the land of Canaan. God had sent them over. And this was back when Israel had its first chance to take the land, but they blew it. Caleb had seen the land he wanted he had, and had promised, been promised he would have it. He, when he got over there, God had promised him that through Moses that he would have that land. Moses had sworn to him by the Lord, which meant that God had given him the promise. Verse 6 of chapter 14. You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. Now Caleb's reminding Joshua the promise that God made to them, you two will get to go see the land. The rest of them will not. Remember, a whole nation died in the wilderness. They were never able to go over because they weren't willing to trust God. He goes on and reminds Joshua of the fact that that he had served the Lord fully. Caleb says, listen, I served the Lord fully. Verse 7, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. 
And I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I followed the Lord my God fully. We're going to come back to that. Caleb then refers to the land God through Moses had promised him in verse 9. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and your children forever, because you have followed the Lord your God fully. Now that little phrase, you followed the Lord your God fully, is a powerful phrase. And that's, that's really the key to what I'm trying to say. God himself used this phrase. Now, how would you like God to say this about you? He used this phrase to describe Caleb on several occasions. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him to the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. And then Deuteronomy 1, 36, Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and to his sons I will give the land on which he has set foot, because he has followed the Lord fully. The secret of Caleb's life has been that little phrase. He served, he followed the Lord, his God, fully. It could be translated this way. I was fulfilled to walk behind Jehovah. It could be translated, I remained totally loyal to Jehovah. For 45 years, he's been totally satisfied to just walk behind Jehovah. It's a beautiful thing. Fully satisfied, fulfilled, loyal, just to walk behind Jehovah. He needed nothing else. He needed nothing else. What does it take this morning to fulfill you? What does it take to fulfill you this morning? No wonder some of us can't seem to find our place in the body of Christ because there's too many other things that somehow we think we need to fulfill us. Caleb was fulfilled to walk behind Jehovah as we read what the number says, he had a different spirit. He had a different spirit. If we're going to find out what God has for us as individuals in Christ, we're not going to be, it's not going to be like everybody else. It's got to begin by our being satisfied with Christ alone in our lives. Why is this important? Because when you start talking about how God has placed you into the body, you start talking about gifts. And if God the giver is not, if Christ is not the not the fulfillment and the satisfaction of your life, that's when gifts start overtaking the giver. And that's when church becomes our life instead of Christ. And if we're ever going to find our place, if we're ever going to fit where God wants us to fit in the body of Christ, we've got to first of all learn just to be satisfied with Him and in Him alone person who's not fully following God, a person who's not fully satisfied with God, has no clue where he fits in the body of Christ. And he will not have a clue until he comes to that place in his walk. The result of our willingness to be satisfied in simply obeying God will not only result in our enjoying his life, oh my, that's, that's a beautiful part of it, but also then we discover the gifts that he's given us, and then we begin to realize where we fit in the body of Christ. Have you ever wondered, now this is something I've been thinking about since I've been gone, because some of the churches in Australia are absolutely upside down. And some of the places I've been, it's interesting what I'm hearing from other people I see also in America. Have you ever wondered why there's so much unsatisfaction in the church by those who claim to be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? They sing with the best of us, and they cry when it's time to cry, and they'll lift their hands, and they'll clap when they should clap. 
but yet they're totally unsatisfied with everything. They want their preferences. They're critical of everything and everybody. Well, listen, until they're simply changed by being totally satisfied with Jesus, you're never going to see any difference in their life. They're going to be the same when Jesus comes. And that's what we've been saying. I, I, that's what our, every message somehow is. It's the undercurrent of every message. If I'm not satisfied with Jesus, then everything else falls apart. Nothing else is going to matter. Caleb was followed the Lord fully. Oh, I just think of the churches that I talked to, the pastors that I talked to. One guy said that he, he was just ready years ago when I had met him in another conference in Australia. He said, I was ready to quit the ministry until I heard the message of Christ in you, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I said, why? He said, because there's so many people that are so dissatisfied and I can't meet this person's need and I can't be everything to this person and I can't be everything to this person and I just threw my hands up and I was going to quit until I realized my satisfaction was not in what they thought about me, not in what they thought about the church, not in what preferences they have about this or this or this or this. It's all about me, me finding my sufficiency and my satisfaction in Christ. You know what people are like? that can't find that, that are always looking for the church to do something the church cannot do, always looking for this to do something it cannot do, whatever it is they're looking to. You heard about the man <clears throat> that was found on an island, had been living there by himself for 30 years, he'd gotten lost, <laughs> and they found him. He was so excited, he was so excited, he'd been talking to himself for 30 years. And so immediately he told him, he said, listen, let me show you around. And there were three beautiful buildings there. He had built himself with his own hands, with no tools. He had figured out how to do it and taken vines and made chairs and tables. And he took them into the one house. He said, this is where I live. And they said, wow, we cannot believe that you've been able to do this. They walked outside. And they said, what's that building over there? Oh, let me take you over there. That's the church I go to. And they walked in and he had fixed the pews and he had fixed everything just like it's supposed to be. And they said, good night, that is awesome. And they came out and said, what's that building over there? And he said, oh, by the way, that's the church I used to go to. That's the way people are. They can't even get along with themselves, much less anybody else. And when I went to Hoffmantown, one of the things that hit me, and I had them take it off the first week I was there, on all of the signs around the church, Hoffmantown Church, where church is life. And I thought, what an indictment. If church is your life, that's when gifts were more important than the giver. That's when everything else begins to get out of kilter. And you'll never find your place. You'll never be fulfilled in your place. You'll never find where it is that God has designed for you until you come to that place of just being totally and wholly and fully satisfied with Christ alone. That's got to be first. That has to be first. Nothing else is going to satisfy. Only he can. Second, not only do we have to be satisfied in him, but secondly, finding and receiving God's design for us, just like Israel had a, God had a design for Israel, must be in God's timing and not ours. Verse 10 of chapter, Joshua 14. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked into the wilderness, and now behold, I am 85 years old today. Now, Caleb is in the land but has not yet possessed what God had promised to him. Forty-five years have gone by, yet Caleb continued to believe God, be satisfied in him. 
I love, remember Ron Dunn? I miss Ron Dunn. Ron Dunn was a friend. And Ron Dunn preached a message one time that really impacted my life. He was out of Job. He said, would you? And I remember him pointing his finger. I always felt like when a preacher pointed their finger, they're pointing at me. <laughs> I tried to hide. He said, would you serve God for nothing? I'll never forget him saying that. When Job had finally come to the end of himself, and he realized it was God that he needed nothing else. And if God did this or didn't do that, it didn't matter. And I never will forget him saying that. Well, Caleb, to me, that's the illustration I get out of Caleb. It was, it was, an all, it was all right. Forty-five years had gone by. Let me illustrate you th to this from, from the New Testament. You see, God's delays are not denials. If you're enjoying his life and you're satisfied with him, but you still don't exactly know your design that he has for you in the body of Christ, just keep trusting him. In John chapter 11, verse 1, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It says in, in verse 2, It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. You want to make sure you know who she is. So the sisters sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And that's all they said. They didn't say come get to him or anything. But that was the inference in that note. You better get here, and you better get here fast, because the one whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. And then it puts, now Jesus loved Martha, in perfect tense. He was loving her all the time. He loved Martha and her sister, Mary, and Lazarus. But look at verse 6. When he heard that he was sick, when he heard that, that Lazarus was sick, he jumped up and made a beeline there. Is that what he did? No. He then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And then he said, let us go to Judea again. And when he got there, what happened? Mary and Martha stopped him and said, if you would have been here, if you would have just made, a, made haste to get here, he would still be alive. Both of them said it to him. Both Martha and Mary said that to Jesus. But you see, the thing that, was, that they didn't understand was, his delay was not any kind of denial at all. It was all, all a matter of timing. He wanted him in the grave. They wanted a healing. He wanted a resurrection. He had a much bigger plan than they had. And listen, 45 years for Caleb, but that's okay. God, in his own time, does what he does. And when we're totally satisfied with him, his timing is not something that threatens any of our life. God's timing will be trusted when we're totally satisfied with him. Caleb had waited faithfully for 45 years to possess what God had promised to him. All the while, he was fully, wholly, totally satisfied and patiently obeying God. But the timing, the timing had finally come. I guess I'm saying this to somebody who might need the encouragement today. Maybe there's something God has put on your heart, but you have not seen it fulfilled in your life. Something that's burdened you and it's a passion within you and and you're satisfied with Jesus. You're really satisfied. And you do trust his timing. But I want to encourage you. Delays are not denials. Trust his timing. Trust his timing. When I was pastoring my first church up in uh, Schweitzer, Kentucky, <laughs> beautiful people there, there was a dear man there who said, Wayne, the world needs to hear your message. <laughs> and I guess the world meant everybody within a four-mile radius. But he said, everybody needs to hear your message. Wayne, we need to get this on radio. 
I never thought about radio before. And I began to think, you know what? That would be a way to get it out. And I began to sense a burden in my heart. That's what God wanted to do. But nothing ever came out of it. Matter of fact, I went to another church, <laughs> and a friend of mine asked me to do a radio program with him. He's going to be out of town. And he said, will you do the five-minute program for me? I'll come with you, show you what I do. And I'm thinking, whoa, maybe this is my chance to be on the radio. And I remember getting into it was easy. But getting out of the program was hard when you have to close it. I didn't know how to close. And he was counting me down. And so when it got down to 10, 9, and he started counting down, 5, 4, 3, 2, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to close it. I was going great, but I didn't know how to stop. And finally I just said, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I wasn't praying, and they fell out of the chair when I did that. Because that's the only closing I know. But I just I tried to get on radio here, tried to get on radio there. It takes a lot of money. We didn't have the money to do that. It's just, okay, I'm laying it down. And Dr. Spiros, though the audience, came to me one day at church. He says, Wayne, Brother Wayne, I'd like for you to do my radio and television with me. I said, Dr. Zodiades, I'm not smart enough to do that. He said, oh, we will practice for six months, and you will enjoy it. Sure enough. Seven hours a week for six solid months we practiced. One day I was going to Springboro, Ohio, and I told him, I said, pray for me, I'm going south of Dayton to do a meeting. And he said, well, why don't you call the radio station? And I said, why would I call the radio station just to tell him I'm coming? He says, Wayne, you've been on their program for the last six months. I said, you said we were practicing. He said, not only have you been on that program, you've been on 700 programs nationwide. And I said, do what? And I thought, God, is this so awesome? He'll put something on your heart. But listen, it is going to be in his time and his time alone. And if we're not satisfied with him, we'll not understand that. But if you're satisfied with him, you're willing to wait and fully, in the meantime, serve him and enjoy him. And I guarantee you, God brings it about when the timing is exactly right. So if we're going to ever find the design God has, which involves many, many more things than what I've shared today, but if we're ever going to find our place, where we fit in the body of Christ, it all starts with our walk with Him. And if we're satisfied with Him, wholly, totally, fully following Him, if we're willing to say yes to Him, we begin to understand it'll be in His time. He's slow, but He's never late. But there's one more thing. Finding God's design for us involves resting in the strength of God. The way you know that Caleb has been tr fully trusting God is by the strength God was giving him during these years. For 45 years, God had continued to sustain his strength. In verse 11, I am still strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now. For war and for going out and for coming in. Wow. At 85, he's as strong that day as he was 45 years before. He knew, he knew that receiving his place in Canaan would not be without a fight. He knew that. And he said, God strengthened me. I, I'm strong today. and I, I, I'm willing to do this. It reminds me of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9. For a wide door for effective service is open to me. And there are many adversaries. And he knew the adversaries would stand there in front of the door that God had for him. Caleb knew and trusted God's strength. Verse 12 says, Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord had spoken. Are you kidding me? It was the Anakim 
the giants in the land that had scared the ten spies half to death. And when they came back, Joshua and Caleb said, come on, let's go, we can eat them for lunch. And ten of them said, oh no, there's giants in the land. And as a result of that, Israel foolishly took the word of the ten and didn't listen to Joshua and Caleb. And none of them got to experience what God had for them. Well, now we see that these very people, the Anakim, the giants, are the ones inhabiting the very land that Caleb wants to possess. And he's already, he's already strong in the Lord. At 85, he didn't retire. He refired. Man, I love that. He's 85 years old. He said, give me the land. I want the land. I'm as strong today as I was 45 years ago. The word Anakim describes a long-necked giant people who were descendants of Anak. I played against one of them in college basketball. <laughs> he was 7'3". He had to be somehow kin to him. Artist Gilmore who made the NBA Hall of Fame. And uh, my, my, his chin was above my head. I've never seen anybody that tall. And so I told the referee, just give him the ball. Don't bother throwing it up. At, eight, at 85, Caleb had no fear to take what God had given to them right from the hands of the strongest people in Canaan. He was not afraid of it. He looked to the strengthening of God. He knows it will be difficult. He says, perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out as the Lord had spoken. We read that as if I sure do hope. No, no. <laughs> There's no doubt here. But it's hope mixed with difficulty. He knows it's going to be difficult, but the hope is certain. He knows the Lord will give him the strength. But he, he rested in the strength of God. Verse 13, so Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb and son of Jephunneh for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Zephunneh, the Kenanzite, until this day, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, fully. And verse 15 says, Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba, for Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. So he took it. You see, finding and receiving our place in the body of Christ. God had, God had his own design for where each tribe would, would dwell. He had his own design for Caleb. He has his own design for you and I as he puts us into the body of Christ. And I, and I cannot stress to you the importance of being satisfied in him alone. Because I'm serious, church has become something in the 21st century that scares me half to death. People are looking to the church for this and looking for the church for that. No, no. Look to Christ. And when you come into the church, it's not what you can get as much as how you can serve. It's what you can give. The gifts, the designation that God has given to each of us, the ministries, the effects, they're not for us, they're for others. That's what the bottom line is. And so as we learn that, we begin to see God raise up and help us to find that very place. Years has gone by, but you find that very place God wants you to fit in the body of Christ and the timing of the Lord is something you could have you've been trusting all along. Finding and receiving our place in the body of Christ won't happen until we're satisfied with Christ and Him alone. It is then we trust the timing of God, and though there will be difficulties, we will rest in the strength of God. I don't know if that encourages you this morning or not, but it sure encouraged me as I was studying. I just thought, man, there's seven categories of gifts, or seven kings got to be defeated. God had his own design for Israel to, in the land. He has his own design for us in the life and in the body of Christ. It's just a, to me, is a 
perfect illustration of that. The scripture wasn't written for me to use that as an illustration, but I, I just see it as an illustration of how we can learn and grow from it. Somebody walked up to me years ago in our church, this church, and asked me a question. It stumped me. He says, when does the church really become the church? <laughs> and I thought, whoa, corporately, when, is it, when could it truly be called a church? Is it because they get, get a certificate from the association that says they're now a church? Is it, is it because of some legal organization that they go through? And I went home and began to pray about that because that, nobody ever asked me that before. And God began to work in my heart. Wayne, it becomes the church when it realizes it's the body of Christ. And when each person within it learns to be satisfied with Jesus alone. And when each person within it realizes that God has designed him the way he's designed him and put him into the body of Christ and gifted him and has a function for him. And then as they begin to serve the entity which lives in the body, who's Christ, begins to be revealed. And when he is seen, and he alone, the church has become the church. So my question is today, have you found where God's designed for you in your Christian walk? Oh, I'm not talking about the life. The life is yours in Christ, but are you satisfied with him? And if you're satisfied with him, are you trusting his timing to let you see where you could serve, to let you see where the gifts are that God has given you because he's, de he's designed it that way? Are you living that way today? Are you living that way? Is the church your life or is Christ your life? A huge difference from my heart to yours this morning. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed and eyes closed? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity of being able to go to other cultures and other places in the world and recognize that flesh is flesh no matter where you put it, no matter what language it speaks. And Father, we recognize that the same problems they have in other countries, same problems we have right here. And that, Lord, any time we replace you for anything else in our life, no matter if it's church or if it's good, if it substitutes for Jesus, Lord, we recognize we've missed it. And then we begin to realize that why we can't be satisfied, why it is that everything is not our way and therefore we don't like it. Father, I thank you for helping me to see that as clearly. And Father, I pray for our, our body of believers here that, Lord, you, every individual will begin to realize that their satisfaction is only in Jesus, but also, Lord, that you have a designed place for them in the body of Christ. And I pray, Father, you'll open our eyes. I pray as we go into this prayerful season of, of the year that we're coming into, and Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified in every single thing that takes place around here. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. So just draw that circle around yourself right now. And maybe you're here today and maybe something else has become your satisfaction. And no wonder. You, you, you never can seem to find a church that fits. But maybe the problem is you haven't fit yourself. And maybe today God wants you to come to the altar and just get before him. Maybe, maybe today there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus and you'd like to come down. We've got pastors down front or maybe today you'd like to join our church I don't know but what is God saying to you are you living in God's design for your life let him ask you that question
and answer it for you. For additional resources or to view our TV program, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org.